0: You're listening to the Dirt on Dating Show with your host, Misha Noah. Get ready for real stories with everyday people on topics like the hottest dating apps, when to commit, and how to find a partner you actually click with. Whether you're on the prowl or spicing up your relationship, we've got the dirt to help you find success in today's digital dating world.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Dirt on Dating Show. I'm Noah, and today we are going to take a glimpse into what it's like to date Michelle. Michelle is a love expert and dating and relationship coach that helps people create healthy and secure relationships. Welcome to the show, Michelle. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thank you for having me, Noah.
1: Yeah, fantastic. So just to give our listeners some context, you're currently in a relationship. How long have you been in a relationship and what's the background to, to get to that point?
0: Well, so we just had our one year anniversary. And prior to that, I was actually married and with that partner for almost 10 years. I'm a single mom with four kiddos. So if that gives people an idea of what I'm coming up against on the dating scene, you know, being older, being divorced, having kids, already having your life established to some degree, and looking for a significant serious partner to be able to mesh with all of that.
1: Mhm. Yeah, beautiful. And and it, it does come with its own set of unique circumstances and it's really a different dynamic I think when you have when you are a single mom in your 20s and you only have yourself to worry about now you have Family. Yeah,
0: there's a lot at stake. If things go wrong, you not only have your own heartache to contend with, but potentially that of your children who may have gotten attached to someone. So there's really a lot to consider.
1: And so how long was the dating process before you met your current partner?
0: You know, I feel like I would get a lot of flack from traditional thinking people on this because it was not very long. We'd had sort of a long, slow breakup process. So by the time the end finally came, I really had already done so much of the inner healing work, you know, being in therapy, having life coaches and things like that, that I really didn't feel like I needed time to get over things more than I already had, so really it was probably only a month or two, maybe three months between that process. So, I think when I went into the dating market, my thinking was you know, it's probably going to take me a while to meet someone really high quality. So, it wouldn't hurt for me to go on dates and just kind of see what's out there and have fun. Was not really expecting to start something serious right away. But, you know, sometimes the universe delivers what you're asking for really fast. And, yeah. uh, I didn't turn down the opportunity when it came.
1: Yeah. All right. So we love stories on the show. Also, if you're, you know, you're, you're a relationship expert, you've been through some stuff. Tell us a story of the biggest mistake you've made dating and what was, what was the scenario?
0: I think back to, you know, I've, I've definitely had my share of really toxic exes. I don't want to get into that. I want to talk about something a little more common I think, is someone who you're not actually in a relationship with, but you find yourself emotionally entangled with or hung up on for a really long period of time, but it never really materializes into anything, yet you still have invested a lot of emotion and energy into this person. So I had a person like that who just for years, you know, he'd be single, but I would be dating someone and we'd maybe just kind of catch up and chat. And then I'd be single and he'd be single and we'd try to get something going and it would never really work out. You know, he'd want something serious when I didn't and then vice versa. Right. And it Mm -hmm. just, we went on like this for years and I, really held so much space for this person in my mind and in my heart. And I think it really was just a diversion from doing the work to actually create a healthy relationship. You know, it was was definitely, I was engaging in a lot of bad behavior, sort of vacillating between being avoidant myself and then like throwing myself at someone who wasn't really showing me the proper amount of effort. So I was really lowering my standards and decreasing my value. And that is something that I would never do again.
1: Especially if you're, like you said, you're investing so much into something that I think both of you had communicated that, you know, maybe there isn't really a future in it. Really, Mm -hmm. you were just kind of Mm -hmm. passing time in a sense, right?
0: Yeah. Or you have some chemistry with someone and you think that's enough to forge an entire relationship when it's definitely not. I know now that I'm older, I think dating when you're older and especially like I said, dating when you have kids, you have a lot at stake. You also already have a lot of demands on your time and energy. So you don't have as much left to play games like that. So I Mm -hmm. think you get, as you get more clear and it doesn't just happen when you're older or have kids, but the more clear that you are about what actually constitutes a good relationship and what's worth investing your time in, I think it really can help you, not go down those roads of just chasing people who are attractive or who you have friends in common with or some kind of, you know, chemistry and energy and vibe. And you're instead like, what are the chances that this person actually wants the same type of future that I want? How are they showing me signs that they're serious minded or that they're an effective communicator or they're loyal, you know, all those things that are actually more aligned with your core values. Mm
1: -hmm. And then you're basically kind of focused on like a pair bonding relationship stuff. Have you always had that? Or is it something that you've decided through time? Like maybe you've experimented with some other relationship dynamics and then you've Mm -hmm. worked your way towards the monogamous style? Or is that, you know, is it just the way that you've always been?
0: I would say I've definitely, you know, explored polyamory and, you know, I've had a couple girlfriends here and there. And Ultimately, I'm just a serial monogamist at heart. I like having one person. I'm very loyal. And if I'm happy with one person, then I really don't feel any need for anything else. That's very satisfying to me. So I would say that I, you know, being a serial monogamist, definitely that informs what I'm looking for in a relationship. But I think No matter what you're looking for in a relationship, there are ways that you position yourself in the dating market authentically and in an empowered way to express what it is that you want so that other people can decide if that's for them or not. I don't think, you know, no matter what type of relationship you want to have being honest up front about what that's going to look like, what being in your energy vortex is going to be like for someone else. Just be that from the get-go. There was a time, you know, dating, being single, that all I wanted to do was go on really nice dates. I didn't want a relationship. I wanted to be your plus one at an event where it was black tie, you know, Mm -hmm. so I would put that on my profile, a picture of me in a gown, and hey, do you need a date to some gala that you have tickets for? (laughs) Let's do it, you know? I'm a pretty good conversationalist and I clean up pretty nice. So I would get taken up on that offer. And it was great. You know, it might be business people just traveling through town for an event and it's just really filling a social need right? So I think whatever it is that you envision for your ideal, that you find a way to position yourself to get what you want. And so the other people know what they're getting into.
1: I don't really hear that perspective very often. So you're, you're basically in a sense, the word is kind of played out, but you're manifesting the type of event that you're going out by demonstrating you're putting, you yeah. know, putting forward whatever your hobbies are, whatever your passions are. And, mm-hmm. and that way, it, you're more likely to meet someone who has the same interests.
0: Absolutely, manifesting. Well, I mean, even if you're not into the really spiritual and woo woo side of that, because I'm really not, I'm actually a pretty scientific minded person. I still know that when I put energy out, I met with that back. Mm -hmm. That affects what comes back to me, right? So if I was really, you know, a homebody and I wanted somebody to be at my house watching Netflix and, you know, baking cookies, you can believe that I'm putting photos of me in my cutest like snuggly outfits holding a tray of cookies, you know, like give people the, the image of what it's actually going to be like in this vision that you have, because people Mm -hmm. will pick up on that and they'll be, they'll find that appealing. Right. Cause they're like, "Mm, you know, that is my kind of perfect evening right there. And this is why people on dating apps will put just body pictures, right? That's pretty clear what they're looking for. I think people need to pay attention to what people are putting out. And if you're looking for something really specific to put a little effort into the image that you're giving to, not just going through your camera roll and saying, oh, this picture will be good enough, you know, actually crafting an image that energetically draws to you that experience.
1: Got it. I, I love this idea of intentionally designing what you're attracting, right? Let's take a step back into your personal experience. What was the turning point when you were going from making mistakes in dating, having different adventures, learning about yourself to the point where you decided that you're going to start coaching and start you know, offering advice for other people. What was that point? And yeah, just take us there.
0: Well, I was actually already a life coach while I was still married. I started that coaching business. I did a lot of, I started out in health coaching and lifestyle, habit change, mindset. And then that sort of evolved into coaching a lot of female entrepreneurs who were creating their own online brands, uh, being a long time you know, self-employed sole proprietor myself. I was just attracting a lot of clients like that. So when I went through my separation, my audience was right there with me, right? I'm sharing the mindset work, the, the journey that I'm going through. I'm sharing my new townhouse and I'm making these really scary moves and I'm doing the big thing, you know, so they were watching that. And when I started dating at first, you know, my first little ventures out into dating, I was noticing how how much I would see the common problems that everyone told me about, like the ghosting and the hookup culture and the low quality matches and low effort conversations and dates and, you know, even scammers and catfish and things (laughs) like the worst of the worst that you hear about. And I remember thinking like, well, gosh, I'm a single mom and I have two businesses. Like, I don't have time for this. I can't get caught up in this, but like, I love vibing with like male energy, you know? So I was knew that like men would be part of my life. Yeah. I, I saw a little bit of that, the negativity and how it could really affect my energy and my ability to show up for my kids and my business and my clients and decided to do it different. So I went, off of all the dating sites really just into myself for about a month. And that's when I took all of the mindset work and the success type of activities and, and work that I would do to help someone create a successful brand and put themselves out there. And I applied all of that to dating and I Mm -hmm. created my system I had immediate like change of results. Everything changed for me in one month, and I shared that with my audience, and people just started coming to me, asking me to help them, and that's when it really clicked that that was just my favorite thing I'd ever coached on. I loved it. I love helping people find love, especially when they're just so close to giving up, it's the most rewarding thing ever rewards me so much more than watching my entrepreneur clients make money, mm. right Like love is above money <laughs> in my book. So it was just way more exciting to see their results. and that's how I got into being a relationship coach.
1: So cool. I love that. I, I wanna <laughs> I do want to hear your perspective on dating as a single parent. I think there's that's a unique perspective that you know, a lot of people have, but before mm-hmm. that, can you share like a bird's eye view of what your stack is about? Like what you'd tell your clients, like here's step one, step two, step three, you know, that mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. developing your dating image, what, you know, what is that process? Yeah.
0: So, first of all, there's the inner healing work that's a perpetual healing journey. I don't believe that people have to be fully healed before they start dating again. I think you need to understand that dating will trigger you, it will, you know, take you to your emotional edge, even in really positive situations. And so, you need to have like a system to deal with that so you don't backslide and you keep moving yourself forward to a more healthy, happy, whole, securely attached person in relationships. Everything that I do is designed to take people away from their anxious and avoidant attachment styles to that ideal of secure attachment. Those are skills that can be learned. So that would be step one. Step two is really identifying your ideal relationship, what it is that you want Most people approach this from, oh, I like tall guys or I like curvy girls or, you know, I like, you know, someone who's more assertive. But actually, none of those things, while they're important for your having attraction, they don't actually create what's necessary to have a good relationship experience. So what I teach people to do is really focus on what do you want it to feel like to be in a relationship? Right. It's a fun, it's relaxing, it's adventurous, you're focused on, you know, business. Maybe you're like a power couple whatever those ideals are to really have a clear vision of that. And then reverse engineer how you become an energetic match to it. How do you become really attractive to that thing that you want? And then going out into the dating market, whether that be using apps, which I love dating apps, or in person, which I know with the pandemic, you know, in person dating and meeting people just out and about is a little difficult at the moment. But really putting forward those ideals and matching with people who exhibit the qualities that they can provide that experience, and that's how you know you're on the right track to a really solid relationship that's going to work for you long term, not just in the moment.
1: Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah what a, what a what a solid roadmap too. And if you can if you can do that, I mean, wow, it's like you're like Yoda of dating.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do it. You know, I I teach my system to my clients and they replicate my success too. They're finding high quality, serious commitment minded partners who want to spoil them and communicate with them and really grow together and support them in their dreams. This is the reality that a lot of people think that that couples like that don't exist or that it's something that they can't have that only certain people can have. And I'm going to tell you, this isn't just happening because my clients are like mega attractive and rich. They're like average people. They Mm -hmm. are, you know, they're people who, who started out obese, you know, with a hundred pounds to lose and found the love of their life from that place, not having to get to some like future destination of like, someone will love me later. It's no, you can have this right now.
1: Mm -hmm. Everyone can. Mm. We're working towards wrapping up. So I do want to get into this, how you date with kids.
0: You have to be really selfish to date with kids and I think a lot of women especially are not good at being selfish. It's something that we're taught and conditioned against to be always putting your family first and I see a lot of women especially and you know and I'll see it with men too. I think On the flip side with men, sometimes if they have only partial custody, they feel like they don't get their kids enough. And so they don't want to use any time, you know, to do their own social activities. A lot of moms will think, you know, my kids need me at home. Who am I to get a babysitter and go out and take some time for myself? But you know, romance and love and relationships and socializing, those are all normal parts of adult life. And you have to maintain an identity for yourself as a grown up outside of being just a mom. And especially when you're bearing all the burden of being a single parent, it's even more critical that you carve out some time for yourself. So I think. It may not be a lot of time. You know, I personally could never go on more than one date a week. And so that actually informs my dating strategy where I would never match with more than five people at one time, Mm -hmm. sort of knowing that matching with five is going to result in one or two, you know, real life dates. And that's about all I can handle. You know, I wouldn't go and just go crazy on a bunch of apps because I can't go out every night of the week, right?
1: For sure, yeah. All right, well, final question, as this is the Dirt on Dating show, we do have to ask, we ask a dirty question. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> with, with that, what is the juiciest advice you can give for people to spark up the intimacy in their relationship? Or, and, it, and it could be a story that you've, that you've tried and it's been like, wow, that was, that was incredible. We're gonna do that again.
0: Well, I think for a lot of people, especially let's assume they're maybe single right now or they're trying to date, I think getting in touch with your own sensuality is massively important and not just allowing your sexuality to be dictated back to you by who you're with or who's interested in you. It needs to be something that you can tap into on your own and turn up right? So that you can come into the relationship with a really good sexual energy, not being closed off and reserved, being more open and willing to communicate or try things. And so I think for Something that listeners could do themselves, even if they don't have someone else, is they could do a really sexy photo shoot, even just with their iPhone. You can always prop up the camera on selfie camera, take a video, and then go back and take screenshots. Anyone can do that with no equipment or special lighting, and it's really fun. You can even use editing apps to, you know, change things up a little bit or make yourself feel more confident, right? Right? Seeing images of yourself and using those to boost your confidence and then taking that confidence into your interactions. And one thing I really love, my boyfriend and I enjoyed is an app called Spicer. No plug for Spicer. It's just something that we personally found and used. And it's really fun for couples. You each, you start an account and you get an invitation code. So your partner and you are filling out the same survey and it basically takes you through all these different categories of sexual activities of like what you're into and I mean some of it gets like way kinky that you might not even think of like I literally read things and I was like that's a thing that people do I didn't even know but it was really fun because you each get to say if you're into it or not into it or maybe you'd be into it and then the app will show you what you have in common so you sort of know like you see what you both feel comfortable maybe trying some new things. And then the list for maybes, you can check off. Yeah, we tried it. Yeah, we liked it. Or no, we didn't like it. And it's a really fun way to communicate about what you like sexually without having to have all the ideas yourself.
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I, I heard an interview, I think it was on Barry Kaufman's show, the psychology podcast. And it was talking about how you can achieve satisfaction or happiness from actually accomplishing some of the fetishes that you have or the fantasies that you have and it's really oh, interesting yeah. you know like a lot of people have these fantasies that they carry but they never actually actualize so yeah. from that app was there is there one one activity that you and your partner found that you actually tried
0: you know not from the app we've definitely sort of arrived at that on our own but i think what the app showed us is that we were both really well matched in more like simple things, you know, that we both derive a lot of pleasure from really simple sensual activities that I think a lot of people is like a really eye-opening experience because, you know, if if you have sort of vanilla taste or you just have your same, you know, five favorite positions and you're feeling inadequate, but you're like, but I really like the sex, you know, we (laughs) just do the same thing. And, you know, you might start feeling inadequate that way, but it kind of showed us that we were actually very well matched in that regard and that we were both really satisfied. And I think that even opens the door for, more of just your own, you know, exploration and just feeling safe and secure with your partner and and using that time, you know, really moving away from just sex as pleasure, but like sex as connection mm-hmm. too. And I think that's something that the app really, no matter what you're into, the the ultimate point is that you're connected and you're on the same page about creating an experience, right, that you both find fulfilling
1: hundred percent. Fantastic. Well, Michelle, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. How do people get in touch with you?
0: I have a free class right now. I would love for your listeners who are single to join me at if they want to learn more about my dating strategies. That is called dating in a dumpster fire, And it is very aptly named for the current situation, I think, that singles are facing in dating. And the link for that is is slash dumpsterfiredating. That is a 100% free, great class that people can use right away to improve their dating outcomes.
1: Cool. And they can also just find that on your Instagram, probably?
0: Yes, that'd be great, at michelle.emeralds.
1: Perfect. All right, yeah, a lot of people are driving, they can't write all that bitly stuff down. <laughs> cool, If all they right.
0: just remember dumpster fire dating, <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: they'll find me.
1: Cool, awesome. Well, Michelle, it's been awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time to be here.
0: Thanks, Noah.
1: All right. all right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to swing by Apple. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. We love those positive reviews. And of course, if you do have some feedback, Send that over as well so we can keep growing. And if you want to be featured on the show, drop me a DM on Instagram at follow Noah or just drop by the podcast page, dirtondating.com slash single to tell us your story. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Dirt on Dating Show.
0: We hope you enjoyed the ride. Stay safe, talk dirty, and we'll see you here tomorrow
1: for another wild dating adventure.